Hi, I'm Jan. And I'm Lynn. Welcome to the Lamplighters podcast. Lamplighters is a community that encourages women to grow in our faith through the study of God's Word. We are grateful to be on the journey with you this year as we travel through the Bible, following the stories of some of the women who have impacted our faith. Today, I'm excited to welcome our friend Laura Tuma back to the Lamplighters recording booth. (laughs) Um, But before I turn it over to Laura, I think it's always good to have a quick review of what we've already been through. And last week, we looked at a long, complicated story of two sisters, Rachel and Leah, and we saw how their obedience and disobedience and actions, (laughs) basically, um, were used by God to further His plan. So, Laura, what are we going to talk about this week? I know we're moving ahead in the Old Testament history, and we're looking at a mother and a daughter who were also integral, integral. Important. Let's just say important (laughs) to the story of God's people. What is it that you want us to know about these two women, Jochebed and Miriam? Hello, and thank you for having me back. And the first thing I want to let you know about Jochebed and Miriam is, at first, I had no idea who Jochebed even was. (laughs) I mean, this is a little bit embarrassing, but when um, I accepted the invitation to teach this week, I pretended I knew who Jochebed was <laughs> and went to find out. So, yeah. You're not the only true, one who's done that. Let me just assure you. So true, starting with a true confession, mm-hmm. um, Miriam was a familiar name because of her role in saving her baby brother Moses, but I had no idea that Jochebed was the mother of both Miriam and Moses and, of course, also Aaron. Mm-hmm. So I'm not proud to admit that. Um, and I was even more disappointed once I began studying Jochebed. She's probably the first woman in this year's study whose name is not familiar to many of us, mm-hmm. but that's a shortcoming I can hope, help I can hope is overcome. <laughs> Honestly, that is one of the reasons uh, Jochebed resonates with me. She is a busy being a wife and a mother of three in very challenging times in Egypt. And as such, she's almost invisible in the story. Um, she just goes about her tasks with little fanfare and probably little affirmation mm-hmm. just because she was doing what she's supposed to do. And those day-to-day responsibilities of motherhood are just that. They are relentlessly daily. And as a result, just so easy to take for granted and overlooked. But what m- makes her stand out is her faithfulness. Jochebed's faithfulness was critical to the story of God's people. And I am quite sure she never really thought about the eternal impact of those routine activities. I mean, who does, right? Mm. That we're in the moment, but we don't have eternity in in mind. And I'm sure she was that way. It just is a good illustration to us uh, that living in relative anonymity, in other words, not being in a spotlight, spotlight, is no reflection of a person's value or of their standing in God's eyes. Mm. God is often at work on the margins and behind the scenes, and we need to remember that. Oh, Jan, thank you for bringing that up. That is so important to keep in mind because that's where most of us live for our Mm -hmm. entire lives. And yet, it's easy for us to be starstruck and think that the characters who get the most mentions in the Bible are the most important, Mm. when the truth is that every person has a significant role to play. So before I dive into Jochebed's story, let's bring ourselves up to date. As Mm -hmm. Lynn said, it's really good to to look at where we've come from. We've jumped ahead several generations since last week. 
Here are a few highlights of the action. Rachel's son, Joseph, was sold into slavery by his brothers, and by God's grace, he ascended to a position of power in Egypt and was able to save his people from starvation, starting with his own family and then extending to his people. After Joseph's death, the Israelites became enslaved in Egypt, and increasingly, Pharaoh came to see them as a threat that had to be controlled. So we pick up two threads of the story here. The first one harkens back to Leah and her son Levi, whose tribe performed religious duties for the people of Israel. So they were a family of status and importance. Jochebed and her husband Amram were descendants of Levi. It's believed that Jochebed was Levi's daughter, born in his old age, and Amram was his grandson. So along with this, Pharaoh was becoming increasingly concerned about population growth among the Israelites. So he decreed that all newborn boys must be killed. Mm. And the action really heats up at this point, as you can imagine. That's one of those stories that, oh, it just kind of gives you chills when you read it. But um, what I notice is that the first two women we read about in this particular scripture are Shifra and Puah. And they are two midwives who actually defied Pharaoh's order to kill all the baby boys who were born. And I cannot imagine the bravery that it took to defy the most important man around at that time, the most powerful man, I should say, um, because he's the one who said, kill him. And they didn't do it. But obviously, they were strong women, and they stood by what they believed no matter the consequences. And clearly they were smart because they had a story ready when they were asked why they let the boys live. Uh, Just showing once again that God is at work on the margins. Uh, Because of their faithfulness and courage, these two simple midwives, their names are written in God's word and we remember them thousands of years later. And please notice by including them, it took a team of women to save the baby Moses. I just want to underline that. Isn't that fascinating? Exodus 115 is the only place we see the names of Shifra and Pua, and we will just stipulate that that's how you pronounce those names, (laughs) even though I don't have a tremendous confidence in that. But don't you want to shake their hands? Mm -hmm. Because they fear the heavenly king, they're willing to defy the human king Mm -hmm. and protect the mothers and babies in their charge. And they do become part of that team whose actions we still remember today. Their names coincide with their roles in this story. Shifra refers to performing good deeds, and Pua refers to crying out, which probably reflects her role as the younger partner and assistant midwife. Mm. I think they earned a place of honor because of their bravery and quick-wittedness under pressure. Mm -hmm. There's been a fair amount of commentary written about them and lots of speculation about whether they were Hebrew or non-Hebrew women and about whether they were mother and daughter or perhaps mother-in-law and daughter-in-law. There's even a midrash or an interpretation that Shifra and Pua are actually Jochebed and Miriam, which is fascinating to contemplate considering that they saved the life of baby, baby Moses by putting him in the Nile rather than drowning him in the Nile, as Pharaoh ordered. God's plan truly does move ahead in unexpected ways. Mm-hmm. We're, focusing on, uh, we're focusing our study on the God who sees. 
and God does see everything about Jochebed, but we see very little. Here's what we do know. She's from the priestly line of Levi and is the mother of three distinguished children. Jochebed was apparently newly pregnant when Pharaoh gave the order to um, to drown the newborn Hebrew boys. Mm. But she hid her pregnancy. She gave birth privately, and she was able to keep a newborn secret mm. for three whole months. Can you imagine that? First of all, hiding a pregnancy and then keeping a baby quiet for three months. Indeed, indeed, I can't. <laughs> it reminds me of all of the faithful people who hid the Jews from the Nazis in World War II. You know, the incredible stress of having knowledge that if others knew that, it would result in the death not only of a human being, but of yourself and all your loved ones. So I imagine that Jochebed's entire family would have had to understand and support her decision to keep this life and death secret. So her husband, as well as her two older children, um, Miriam and Aaron, and they all had to keep their mouths shut and just go about their daily lives if it's everything were normal, not knowing who they could trust. I just can't imagine that. It, it, just, it just shines. Jacobed's faithfulness shines in her belief that all life comes from God and is worth protecting and her trust in the Lord to protect her family and her baby boy. What a woman of faith and what a story she was writing at the very beginning beginning of Moses' life. Absolutely. And as you said, her family was at risk along with her. Mm -hmm. So far beyond just what was at risk for her personally. So at this point, we shift our focus to Miriam, the daughter. And I have to confess to you, I've always related to Miriam. So I was especially glad for the opportunity to study her in detail, especially with an eye toward her strengths and weaknesses. When I was a little girl, I loved the story of Miriam and baby Moses Mm -hmm. because children are front and center in this big story. As a big sister myself, I also related to Miriam being resourceful and capable when her big moment arrived. You could could put yourself in her role. I could easily (laughs) put myself in her role and maybe did more than I should have. But thinking about it now, it seems even more remarkable that Jochebed's plan to save the life of her baby boy hinged on a seven- or eight-year-old girl. Mm. Jochebed trusted Miriam to follow through with all the details, placing Moses' raft in the right location, observing Pharaoh's daughter, and speaking up with great aplomb when she had the opportunity. So in this story, we see an example of God equipping a young person. Mm -hmm. Miriam is not threatening to Pharaoh's daughter. In fact, she may even be known to her. And she's able to tactfully recommend that baby Moses be raised by his own mother, although she didn't specify that Jochebed is the Hebrew woman who can take care of the baby. So what strengths do we discern in Miriam? She's brave, willing to face danger, quick-witted, and resourceful, and also faithful to her family and her God. Those are all great character traits, and they apparently serve her well. We don't see Miriam's name mentioned in Scripture again for quite a while, but there are some clues about her. We know she survived, she married, and she had children. Both her husband and her son are mentioned by name as leaders during the Exodus. Along with her brothers, Miriam escaped Egypt, witnessed the parting of the Red Sea and the building of the tabernacle. She became a prophetess and a leader of women and even led public worship 
as described in Exodus 15.20. Her connection with Moses and Aaron would have given her status to go along with her natural abilities and her faithful service to the Lord. Miriam is truly a wise woman of faith and substance. Mm -hmm. So why do I get the feeling that there's a but to this story, Laura? Well, Dan, you too are a wise woman. Because (laughs) then we come to Numbers 12, when Miriam attempts to lead a coup against Moses. You note that Miriam's name is mentioned first, which is a clue that she was the instigator. The pretext for her complaint is that Moses has married a Cushite wife. Now, it's possible that Moses' wife had died and he remarried, but he may also have taken a second wife, which was not uncommon. And being from Cush, which is roughly modern-day Sudan, this wife was probably dark-skinned. So there may be some judgment there. Although I note there was no prohibition about the marriage and a person's homeland and skin color are not matters of character. What's important for our purposes is that by questioning Moses' judgment in a personal matter, Miriam was questioning his judgment in all things. Mm. Miriam and Aaron seek to be placed on the same level as Moses in the eyes of the people and possibly also in God's eyes. You can sense some jealousy and a desire to be recognized for their contributions. At the time this happens, Miriam is about 90 years old. Hmm. Let that sink in. She has a lifetime of experience. She has experienced God's faithfulness repeatedly, and she is a mature and wise leader. How could this happen? It's a good question. (laughs) It's a worthwhile question. Absolutely. Perhaps it's the shadow side of Miriam's gifts. As a big sister myself, I can imagine Miriam's pride in her baby brother Moses as he grew in stature. She protected and supported him, but she probably also had ideas for how he could improve his performance. I can't imagine that. (laughs) Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth, according to our scripture. And humility also is an outstanding trait. But imagine that you're a big sister who is organized, active, and likes to get things done. And all that certainly seems to describe Miriam. Maybe humility looks more like indecision or uncertainty or even incompetence. Perhaps a tendency Hmm. toward impatience, frustration, and self-reliance bubbled up in Miriam. After all these years, Miriam wanted to play a central role rather than being a supporting player. It's almost as though she came to feel she had a second-class job for God. Well, unfortunately, this sounds far too familiar to me. Mm -hmm. I can relate so well to Miriam's desire to get things done. You know, I have that same trait, and while it's not inherently bad, I so often misuse it. I've said this so many times before, but my default is action. And so often it should be the opposite. When I stop and take the time to ask what God wants, not what I want, I can't even count how often the answer is. Um, Nothing from you right now, Lynn. You know, I've got this. (laughs) When I'm in service to God and not myself, my life is so much easier. I complicate my life by trying to do things on my own, by trying to be in control. So obedience to God puts my heart in the right place. 
Ultimately, though, the most wonderful thing of all is that no matter what our motivation or our intention, God can use all of it in ways that we could never imagine. Oh, that is so right. And patience is a continuing, as they say, growth plate yes. for, for me as well, Lynn. So we come to this dramatic, climactic scene where Miriam yearns to be seen by God. And indeed, he she, does see her. She is. She, <laughs> she gets her wish. Mm-hmm. Um, so God saw and he appeared he, to Miriam and to Aaron in a cloud and calls them into the tent by themselves. Can <laughs> you imagine? No. So in their time alone with God in, this, in the tent, God affirmed Moses. He burned with anger. Mm. And as a, a point of discipline, he allowed Miriam to exhibit outwardly the condition of her heart. Ooh. That is, the leprosy that was on the outside of her body was a reflection of what had happened to her heart mm. condition. Mm-hmm. When Moses sees what has become of his sister, he and Aaron together asked God to heal her. And God did indeed agree to remove her her skin condition after seven days, which was, when you think of it, a mild punishment compared to what she deserved. Mm -hmm. I know there's a part of us that wants to see Miriam suffer no consequences from this, Mm -hmm. and that there is a part of us that sees that she is afflicted with leprosy as being a harsh punishment. Mm especially knowing as we do that leprosy was considered an untouchable disease Mm -hmm. in the Old Mm -hmm. Testament. Of course, it was used as an umbrella term for many conditions that could be contagious and could infect Mm -hmm. the entire group. And let me say, a a heart condition can also infect the entire group. So Miriam's heart condition becomes visible on her skin, Mm And she is sent outside the camp, outside of society, alone and unseen for seven days. Mm. But, and here's something I think is so important to spot, the entire camp waits for her, Mm. waits for her to be restored and return before she moves on, before they move on. Well, in actual fact, that punishment was merciful because it was only seven days. It could have been for a lifetime. Absolutely right. The punishment she deserved Mm -hmm. was a lifetime. Mm -hmm. The discipline she received was seven days. And that there is grace. Grace and mercy both. And mercy in that, which I think we often are blind to. Sure. Because Because it's hard. And because we want no punishment. Yeah. We want no discipline. We (laughs) want it to be right instantly. But the, the point is, you don't ever escape the consequences of sin. They may be delayed, but you don't escape them because we have a loving God. Because we do have a loving and merciful God. Mm-hmm. So a few key points I want to um, kind of wrap up with. There are strong and capable women in this family. Mm-hmm. Jochebed and Miriam both risked their own lives to save Moses. Family relationships are just complicated. <laughs> Amen. Then and now. Um, Miriam's strong traits were linked to her role as a big sister, but so were her weaknesses. Mm -hmm. Every strength has a shadow side. Um, Age and maturity do not inoculate us from human vulnerabilities and frailties. Mm. So though we think we may outgrow 
we actually continue to keep those same patterns yeah. unless we are um, willing and able to address them. Mm-hmm. And God does see and hear always, mm-hmm. always. And even in his anger, he responds to prayers for mercy, just as he did when he responded to Moses, Moses and Aaron's prayers on behalf of their sister. Mm-hmm. You know, human beings are complicated, aren't we? Mm-hmm. Um, I find myself wanting the happily ever after ending to these stories because basically I like to live in a bubble or as my child accuses me of being clueless. Um, I like being clueless, but that's really not life. Um, You know, we're all tainted by the fall. We all have sin tendencies. Miriam began well and she went on well, but she didn't end well. And and that is a warning to us to pay attention to the shadow side of our, our strengths, our gifts, our thoughts, our personalities, all have a positive side and they all have a shadow side. But nevertheless, as you pointed out, Laura, God sees and hears. And he always has the last word because he's moving his plan forward, which he was doing through Miriam. Uh, and we need to remember that. Okay, you have any takeaways for us or things you want us to ponder this week? I do. And they're based on some of the very things that you just pointed out about Miriam. So first, are there patterns in your life, like in mine, being the smart and brave and sometimes bossy big sister, <laughs> are there patterns in your life that may not be serving you well in this season? How can you identify and change those patterns so that they remain strengths and not weaknesses? Mm. And second, ponder the grace that is inherent in God's discipline. Perhaps even in the ways He's corrected you, there is encouragement for us there. Well, Laura, you've given us plenty to think about this week, and I thank you. I thank you for your time, and I thank you for the energy that you put into uh, teaching us about Miriam. And learning about a new person. Joke about a new person. Um, So it was great to see you again. Thank you. Until next time.